It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Hey, good morning. How are we all this morning? Great to see you. This is week two, as Louis said, of a series we launched last week called The Ghost. And it is a series all about God's Holy Spirit. And I'll just recap how I introduced this last week. Not only because I know some of you weren't here, titch, titch, but also just to really double click on the importance of understanding this concept. And what I teed off with last week is one of my observations over, uh, I don't know how many years I've been following Jesus now, 732, I think it is, um, is I've seen uh, two extreme mistakes when it comes to following Jesus. And one of the mistakes I've seen uh, too many people and too many churches make uh, is what I call running in lane eight. And, and, and they are typically characterised uh, by occasionally uh, some extreme behaviours that get uh, credited to God's Holy Spirit. Um, and those Lane 8 churches actually are the ones that more commonly get described as the Holy Spirit churches, which is, I understand why, but it's also ridiculous. Uh, then by way of probably overcorrecting, there's a whole brand of churches that run in lane one, which is a lot more obscure. It seems a lot safer. You certainly avoid any of the, the publicity and the negative headlines that you might read about the lane eight churches getting, but not only do you avoid the headlines, you also avoid accessing the incredible things that God promises that we will have access to when we do life with His Holy Spirit operating in our lives. And I said, it's like giving a kid a tricycle, but only attaching two wheels. You know, Junior might get somewhere, but Junior won't have much fun. And actually Junior will almost certainly not get to where the tricycle manufacturer designed for him or her to go. God is three persons, God the Father. And most people are okay with that. We can even relate to that in many cases if we had a father and bonus if we had a loving father. The son, okay, we read a lot about Jesus. Um, God is also in spirit form, His Holy Spirit. And so as a church, we've committed to running in lane four. Here's the thing, if you've ever watched the Olympics, I'm not asking if you've ever been in the Olympics, but if you just watched it, you understand you cannot run in more than lane one lane at a time. You have to pick a lane. So we're picking a lane, not picking a fight, okay? Our lane is lane four, which we characterise, one ways we characterise it is to be wired, not weird. That we want to be a church and we want to be people who are 100% plugged into the power of God's Holy Spirit without the stuff that you scratch your head and think, uh, I don't know. Now, it's not about right versus wrong. You know, lane eight churches, you're wrong. Lane one churches, you're wrong. But yeah, lane four churches, we're all right. It's not about that. I'm trying to pick a fight. 
And it's not about better versus worse, but it really for us is about as a church that's committed to running in lane four, how can we run more effectively in lane four? We're not switching lanes, but how can we run more effectively in lane four? So this is really a crash course. The Holy Spirit, uh, word on the street is that since this church was launched in 1950, this is the first, because Neil told me that because he was here, uh, it's plausible. Actually, not really. Um, <laughs> series that's specifically been taught about the Holy Spirit, but it's only four weeks. So I don't think you're gonna, we're going to cover everything. I was very much a crash course, but I will say this. If you didn't catch last week, go back, listen, because we're covering a lot of stuff and we're really trying to get it done in four weeks. Now, last week I talked about the presence of God's Holy Spirit I want to move on from that today. Now, a couple of years ago, Louis and I finished uh, having an, had an extension built to our house and some renovations done on the existing original house. And uh, being Freddie Frugal here, there's not much I could contribute by way of labour, but uh, I figured I could probably paint the doors. I mean, how hard can it be? So, you know... They, the, the building team finished and moved out and off they went. And okay, right, here we go. Project time. Going to paint me some doors. And, and they left, they put the doors on the hinges so I knew which door was which and which one had the passage privacy locks and which one didn't. And okay, great, thanks very much. Um, so uh, beginning of the project, I had to actually remove all of the doors from the the hinges that attach them to the frames. And I also had to remove the door furniture, the handles, the little thingamajigamy that goes into the other thingamajigamy. And um, by my calculation, before I'd embarked on this uh, quite substantial project, um, I estimated that I was going to have to unscrew something around about 60 individual screws. And I'm like, I mean, I, is that a lot? I don't know. I've never done this before. And then I'm thinking, oh, and then when I'm done, I'm going to have to reattach every single one of those screws. Another 60 years. So altogether, I'm in the ballpark of unscrewing and then rescrewing about 120 screws. Now, I'm pretty new to the handyman game. That's just a, a fact here. Uh, I don't appreciate the way some of you are looking at me judgmentally right now. It's just not right. Um, but in my shed, the only screw, unscrewing and rescrewing thing, object that I owned was a screwdriver. And just, just going full disclosure, I have no idea how it got into my shed. No clue whatsoever. But that's where it was residing, pretty much mint condition. Um, and I'm thinking to myself, all right, you know, how hard can this be? So I took my screwdriver. Um, yes, I checked that it was a Phillips head, not a flat head. I'm not a buff head. And I got busy. One. Two. All right, that's it. I'm done. One and a half. I'm heading to Bunnings, the great big hardware store in the sky. I went to Bunnings and I bought myself this guy. I didn't know where the section was that sold these guys, 
I discovered not only were there multiple brands, but there was multiple types, hammer drills, masonry drills. Like I, so I just said, I just said, I'm not, I ain't too proud to beg. I, just, I said, I just want to unscrew some screws from a door and then screw them back in again. And the guy in the red shirt looked at me and I know what he was thinking. Just use a screwdriver, mate. But he didn't know I was going to be cracking the 100 barrier. So I bought this thing, $100, a buck a screw. Thought to myself, that is money very well spent. Very incredibly well spent. I did not for one second regret my purchase. By the way, it's now $140, but that's another sad story. Uh, one thing that I can explain to you if you're also late to the handyman game, as I was, this is able to generate one human's amount of power. And that's whatever amount that you can put into it. That's it, right? This guy, ready for it? This guy can generate 50 Newton meters of torque. Hello? Yeah, I, I, I read that. I don't know what that means. It was on the specs. I'm like, as long as it's more than this, I'm in. So I went around with my 50 Newton meters of torque, $100. It's 20 cents per Newton meter that I now had access to. Again, have no clue what I'm talking about right now, but for the entire project, I did not for one second regret the purchase of this guy. I haven't used it since, but I'm telling you, those doors were unattached and reattached in probably record time. But I share that because in my ex experience and in my observation, this is a mistake that too many Jesus followers make. I'm just going to follow Him with the strength and the power that I can generate. And again, I mean, look, I started that project two years ago. I might not have yet finished it today if I'd gone this, but I... But why would you, when you have access to this guy, which by the way, the Holy Spirit is given to us as a gift. It's not hundred bucks and a Vespa ride to Bunnings where people, when I pull up in the Bunnings car park on a Vespa, also look at me with the same look some of you gave me five minutes ago. I don't appreciate it. Saving the planet. But putting in the time, putting in the effort, making the investment will give you a return that not only can you not get in your own strength, but also one you will never, ever regret. But it will take an investment to learn how to effectively use this thing. You should see the text thread that Paul DeBlanc was on the receiving end of when I was asking him questions about which end do you use? Anyway, so I'm talking today about the power of the Holy Spirit. If you've got your smartphone camera, how about you scan this flow code? It's gonna take you to Acts chapter one. Now, let me give you some context. Acts was written as a letter 
by a guy named Luke. Luke was a medical doctor. Luke uh, had started to hear, after Jesus had died, Luke had started to hear about the incredible things that Jesus had done whilst he walked the face of the planet. And he started interviewing eyewitnesses. That account of Jesus' life and ministry is actually found in one of the four biographers. It's called Luke, given that it was written by Luke. Well, this Acts is also written by Luke. In fact, it's more, it's something of a, a part two of a two-part series that here's the works that Jesus did while he was here on the earth. And now Acts is, here's the things that, that God's people did empowered by his Holy Spirit that Jesus unleashed when he actually ascended back into heaven. So this Acts is called the Acts of the Apostles, the things they did. And what had happened is that Jesus, after he'd risen from the grave, he actually hang, hung around on, on earth for 40 more days and he would show up in places on occasions to kind of make the point that he was very much alive. This was one of those occasions starting in verse four. Once when he was eating with them, implication there were other times, Jesus commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water. This is John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, who baptized people in the river, dunking, baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus uses the same exact word twice, talking about two different experiences. One is the baptism of water, which by the way, next Sunday, we have uh, one of our Elevate youth getting baptized with water. Um, we have a tank under here. Some of you know that. And uh, uh, I love it because when we were talking with him a couple of weeks ago, he asked me, is it going to be cold? And I thought to myself, that's a reasonable question. But I said, Tim, buddy, there's a better question you ought to be asking. How long are they going to keep me under? I said, because it, th the answer to that question is how many sins have you committed? Because the more you've committed, the longer we keep you under because we want to get you fully washed up. Ain't even leaving nothing to chance. We want to see bubbles. We want to see legs flailing like, I'm ready to get up. No, oh, it's my decision. I'm not doing the baptism, but we have very specific instructions for the person doing that. It means immersed, okay? Hence the analogy. This word baptism means immersed. John immersed you with water, but in a few days you'll be immersed with the Holy Spirit, you'll be surrounded, you'll be enveloped with the Holy Spirit. Now, any uh, NBA uh, fans here? National Basketball Association, NBA? Okay, Tim, Marianne, good. Yeah, 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 good, good. Uh, your son, who it's Marianne's son getting baptized next week. He picked the losing team so far. So just because, in case I don't get to rub it in his nose, pass it on, please. Anyway. Denver Nuggets versus the Miami Heat. And uh, the opening two games were being placed, played in Denver, Colorado. And the commentary around those first two games were how the Denver Nuggets team would have an unfair advantage over the Miami Heat team. And it's like, oh yeah, home, home court advantage, home crowd advantage. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Actually, whilst that's true, the reason the commentators were making a point of that is because Denver, the city, actually sits one mile above sea level. Therefore, the air is thinner. It's harder to breathe when you are a mile above sea level. 
not to say that it's all bad. In fact, I've been had the fortune of going there a few times. And I remember the first time I went there, I took my golf clubs with me. Um, it was a business trip, but uh, you know what they say, all work and no play. So on my day off, I went golfing, Denver, Colorado. And it was just me. I mean, it was during the week. People have jobs, except me on that day. So I get there, I'm up, I, I tee the ball up, I get my driver out. I hit, just, just hit my regular textbook perfect uh, shot. And this thing just kept on going. And I'm like, great, yeah. The day I'm going to be Billy No Mates, I've got nobody to brag to this about. Nobody else is going like, oh my. I very quickly discovered that every single shot I hit, the ball flew at least 10% further. Reality came crashing down when I finished my round and I went to the pro shop and I started telling them that, man, I am on fire today. Every shot, 10% further. And they said, ah, you live at sea level, do you? Uh, yeah. And the point is that simply by being immersed in a different atmosphere, I did exactly the same things that I would have otherwise done in any other atmosphere, but I got a better return on my investment. I got more out of it because I was immersed. I was living at a higher level. I was golfing at a higher level. And let me tell you, when you want to play golf well, playing elevated is much more fun. One of the mistakes, I just want to really hit this before I move on. One of the mistakes that, again, this is observation, not criticism. I know some brands of churches and some people who have shrunk wrapped this notion of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, what Jesus is referring to, down to a singular event, a singular moment in time. And that can be, by the way, I've been in this situation. That can be part of your experience. I've had that happen to me. But it's not the limitation of the experience that Jesus was promising. Talking with uh, Mr. Reese there earlier this morning, this living immersed in God's Holy Spirit, you're immersed when you go for the job interview and you, you, you have prayed God by your Holy Spirit, lead me in what I say to the questions that get asked in this job interview. And you start answering questions and the answers sound smarter than you. And you're like, I mean, not only is the interviewer impressed, you're kind of impressed. Like, wow. But you recognize that you're answering empowered and led by God's Holy Spirit. It's about seeing and seizing opportunities that you might otherwise be a little bit blind to. It's about being nudged to be generous just in an everyday way. N nothing that's going to hit the headlines, but you've, it was Holy, God's Holy Spirit nudging you. That's lane four living. That's elevated living. That's about being immersed in God's Holy Spirit. Jesus went on to say, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Well, this is the stuff we love. 
And you'll be, be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This word power is the Greek word dunamis, which we get the word dynamite. Okay, it literally means what you think it means. The explosive power of God. Not the cuddle me, not the stroke me, not the pat me, not the lap dog. No, this is, you'll receive the explosive power of God when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This is the exact same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And because if you open yourself up to this, when you receive this dynamite power, you no longer have to be a slave to small thinking, small living, small praying. You know, praying the sort of prayers that you expect to get answered. Uh, Pray for a car park at the grocery store today. Look, it's almost certainly gonna happen. That's not a dynamite power prayer. All right, and if, if it's been a problem for you, buy a Vespa because you can park anywhere. You have the access to the dynamite power of God. You no longer have to be a slave to fear. You have access to the dynamite power of God. You no longer have to be a slave to the residue of your past. You may have heard the advice, don't take a knife to a gunfight. Here's my advice, take dynamite instead. Hello. So Jesus promised His disciples that when God's Holy Spirit comes upon them, they'll be empowered and actually gave them a mission. It wasn't like, just, you'll, this will give you the power that you will need to be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. And if you're a church veteran, you've probably read the rest of Luke's uh, accounts of the Acts of the Apostles and you know that that's exactly what they did. So this is like, yeah, okay, Mark, we know this is exactly what happened, move on. But here's the important thing to understand. At this moment in history, Jesus had found His closest followers locked with a lock on the inside of a room huddled for fear of their lives. They saw what happened to Him And if that could happen to him, we could be next. (laughs) Not exactly the people that you expect Jesus is gonna give the first opportunity to go and tell people about him. They didn't even wanna leave the room. And this is what he said to them. And then you read through Luke's eyewitness recordings. You, You start to see that these very people who locked themselves in a room ultimately went from timid to turning the world upside down because they grabbed a hold of and utilised the dynamite power of God. If you've read the news lately or watched the news lately, that's something I highly recommend. Uh, or even if you've just been alive lately, interfacing with people, it's kind of, it's plausible that maybe some days you find hope kind of draining out of your soul. You know, the rising cost of living, 
rising interest rates if you've got a mortgage. Um, and, you know, that's got people in very real everyday life situations, some people wondering if they're going to actually be able to make it to the next pay period. Um, we're reading about global conflicts or rising, escalating tensions between countries. We're reading about actual literal wars going on within countries and between countries. And, and those seem to have no clearly determined finish line, date, time. And, and we can find ourselves, you know, hope diminishing. Um, <laughs> you can just be interfacing with your neighbour or your colleague and start to hear them becoming increasingly selfish and entitled and thinking to yourself, like you've seen the trend. <laughs> and you're like, I don't think this is ever going to kick up again. And just losing hope. And one of the things about losing hope is, is that the, the tendency or the temptation is just to lower your expectations. Oh, well, it's just the way it is. I mean, I don't have any control over this sort of thing. But, but here's the thing. We don't have control over everything, but we certainly have control over the things that God's given us the power to effect. So rather than lowering our expectations, we can actually raise our hope because our hope doesn't come from circumstances. Our hope doesn't come from our entitled neighbour who we can't resolve paying 50% of a colour bond fence with. Yes, I have issues. (laughs) Struggle is real, people. Paul, one of the heavyweights of the early church who lived with the dynamite power of God, on display, wrote to the church in Rome, I pray that God, the source of hope, hello, there's a clue, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Not half filled. Some days you're like, I'll take half. Don't settle for half. I talked last week about a young married couple who when the the wife was 26, she was diagnosed with breast cancer and went through the the treatment, double mastectomy, all that sort of thing. And her and her husband were interviewed later and was asked the question, did you get rattled? Did you get shaken during that whole process? And they said, no. And the interviewer was like, "Uh, mind telling us how? And they answered that. And you can go back and listen to that last week and find out for yourself. They said, not once did we, because we found the peace of God that goes beyond all human understanding completely, fill you completely. You wanna be filled with the Holy Spirit? Yeah, sure. This is what it looks like to be filled completely with joy and peace. Then, hello, here's an upgrade. Things just keep getting elevated. Feel like I'm living in Denver right now, golfing like Tiger Woods when he could walk. Then you will overflow with confident hope. Ever feel hope draining? God promises, no, you can actually have it like trending up to the point where it's overflowing. Like you actually become the one that's just splashing confident hope around other people. And notice he doesn't just say hope because I hope. Hope just, maybe that sounds a bit wishy-washy. Confident hope. This word confident means with faith. I've said it before, I haven't said it for a while, but if you've ever thought to yourself, oh, that person's a real confident Christian. Well, first of all, those two things shouldn't be like chasing a unicorn. They're meant to be synonymous. A Jesus follower who approaches everything confidently, confidos, with faith. 
And, you th- and, and by the way, and I'm not pointing to anyone when I say this, but if you've ever found yourself looking at the life of another Jesus follower and saying to yourself, boy, they seem to have more power than me. You know what? It's almost because they have more power than you, or at least they've accessed more power. It's like, like why are you scratching your head wondering what's going on here? Pop the hood. This is available to us. Confident hope through the power, hello, of the Holy Spirit. Living immersed. Finally. I mean, I'm hoping you're not thinking when I say finally, you're like, oh, finally. Unleash some dynamite. Did you know that following Jesus is about so much more than becoming a nice Christian? You don't find the word nice in the Bible, just saying. I mean, don't be a jerk, but at the same time, just to say, well, you know, I'm praying that Jesus will make me into a nice Christian. It's, it's just too low altitude to limit. I mean, yeah, I hope God does make you a better human. I mean, please. I really do. But there's so much more. I mean, don't retreat and hide out in lane one and say, Jesus, thanks for forgiving me. See in heaven. But if you could just please leave me alone. Until then, that'd be great. No drama. I won't rattle your cage if you don't rattle mine. Deal? No. I mean, you could, but why would you? So Paul prayed this prayer. St. Paul wrote this to the church in Ephesus. And I'm gonna read it, but I'm gonna read it as a prayer to you, to us. So forgive my back. I pray that from God's glorious, unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength, more than it takes to operate a screwdriver through His Holy Spirit. Then Jesus will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Anyone here is a gardener, you know this. And may you have the power to understand, just before I read the rest, he's not about to say everything that's happening in your life. I mean, I mean, nice. No, see, it actually wouldn't be nice. <laughs> it's the reason that Paul talks about God's Holy Spirit being able to give us a peace that passes all human understanding. Is like, these are the circumstances. I'm not in denial, but... I'm experiencing this peace and I don't even fully understand it. Great, fine, just take it anyway. This is what he prays that we will understand as God's, all God's people should, not just the lane ones, the lane eights, the, everyone in between. How wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. This is a prayer that Paul prays that, that he 
prayed this with the intention that God's dynamite power would be unleashed and released from our lives. So here's my invitation. No more small prayers. Pray for a parking spot? Sure. But don't cap your prayers at that altitude. Big God, dynamite power, big prayers. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.